Okay, here we are. So welcome to the next series uh, of the GigCX Decoded podcast. Um, this one's going to be a bit different because today um, you've heard me talking to various different people in the industry who have offered perspectives and uh, for the first time we've actually got one of our customers. And that doesn't mean that we've only got one customer, it just means that this is the first time we've been able to change the dynamic a little bit of this and this is going to be a lot more less of me hopefully talking and more about our guest today. Um, so the purpose of this show is to help educate people on GigCX, what it does. Um, it's a new thing in the industry and there's nobody better to talk about it than our customer. So I'm very, very pleased today to invite Catherine on the show from Sony PlayStation. Catherine, it's absolute pleasure to have you on. Great, great, thanks. I'm excited to be here. And uh, we're, we're doing this across the pond, as the phrase goes, so I'm... Uh, in wet and windy UK. I'm in a different location again today, but this is the benefit of technology, right? You can do these sort of things. And where, where, where do we find you today? So I'm in the San Francisco Bay Area, but I think we have a little bit of London fog today. Uh, <laughs> normally it's beautiful, um, but I think in honor of our, our discussion today, it's quite foggy and damp. There we go. Well, that is the classic British weather, and we are in the prime season for that. We've had our, well, to be fair, we've actually had a better summer than we've ever had in a long time, but, you know, there we go. So, right, well, let's get into the discussion. So, look, before we get into the, you know, hopefully what you've been talking around, the best thing to do is just a bit more of an intro to you, Catherine, and, and the work you do at PlayStation. If you could just elaborate on that, that'd be brilliant for our listeners. Sure, absolutely. So um, as you mentioned, I, I work for um, Sony Interactive Entertainment, which is the home of PlayStation. Mm. Uh, and I lead our post-sale support for all of the PlayStation um, products and services. So our right. consoles, as well as our subscriptions and our um, digital games. Uh, I also lead our player-to-player -player, um, moderation and online safety for the PlayStation Network. There we go. Well, uh, that's that's a that's a big job because PlayStation is you know is is it the most popular gaming device out there? It is, um, yeah. and it's the first job that I've had that my kids think I'm cool. <laughs> and uh, and presumably they ask for discounts and all sorts of things. But yeah, maybe, maybe yeah. let's not yeah let's not against that. Okay, right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, at the, the I think the first question I'd like to ask you, and I'm sorry if this puts you on the spot a bit, but it, for me. Um, I always find this one interesting because, because we, I mean, the industry and, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I run the sales and marketing effort here, as you know, and we talk, you know, we do lots of talking about it, but there's nothing better than hearing from somebody that's, that's actually bought what we do and, and have put this model in. But so the question to you is, how would you, how would you describe to somebody who didn't know what GigCX is? How would you help them understand what, what that model is? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, and I certainly my understanding has evolved over time as we've continued to expand our relationship. Um, but to me, GigCX unlocks um, the potential of a, a vast workforce or passionate people that care about my brand that can connect with people like them. Um, so it really breaks the mold from traditional um, contact centers or support engagements, and it enriches the um, potential uh, to get authentic player-to-player -player support, which is important to us. Great. So it's all about passionate people helping others, player-to-player yep. -player support, which flexibility, like, 
flexibility. Um, again, um, uh, really being able to connect people who already know about our brand, know about our products. Um, we don't have the same type of uh, training or ramp. We're, we're definitely tapping mm. into potential that's not bound by geography, but connected by enthusiasm for our products and services. Well, that, that's a phrase I think we need to bottle. So they're not <laughs> they're not restricted by geography, but they're connected by the the interest and the passion. Yeah, well, that's a wonderful way to come across. I like that one. Um, okay, so um, first question after we've got that explanation is why did why did you adopt GigCX in in your organisation? Yeah, so certainly we've been interested in GigCX as just kind of an industry topic for several years, um, and we were interested, but certainly cautious. Um, we're very passionate about our brand and we're extremely passionate about our players and taking a chance on something new uh, isn't typically what Sony would do. Um, so I wouldn't say it was, you know, we read an article or listened to a podcast and said, <laughs> hey, that's for us. Uh, it definitely was an evolution. Um, we uh, started to look at um, pre-pandemic um, what could something special look like? We have some products and services or player situations uh, that don't fit the traditional um, uh, repeatable type of interaction uh, that some of our players need. And so we were really looking for some specialization. Uh, and that's first where we started to look at gig, gig CX. Um, then it transitioned into, wow, with the pandemic, um, we really need to think uh, differently with respect to uh, distributed workforce. Mm. Um, and then we said, hey, let's do a pilot. Um, and the pilot was enormously successful and kind of changed um, our risk factor or risk mm. aversion. Um, and uh, we've gone from there, but it definitely, I would say that we were cautious about people um, interacting with our players that we didn't know, that we hadn't um, seen in person, or that mm. may not fit a traditional uh, type of resource that we had had in the past. Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's some really cool things in that. So initially it was, um, uh almost like there's something there could be something cool here and, and you know something is innovative and we've heard about it and it breaks the mold a little bit with the traditional models and then wham pandemic comes along and then you had to you had to do something else so there was the kernel of interest and it was then magnified potentially because of the pandemic pushing out the fact that the, the old resource model was going to be disrupted and then the pilot came along and you know, your words, it was, it was a resounding success and now it's moving, moving forward. And the, the, the thing that, um, I mean, I've been in this, I've been in this industry a long time and, uh, I remember when, you know, the first time chatbots came along, the first time communities came along, the first time there was a natural language speech recognition IVR and, yeah. and, you know, these technologies come along, there's always the first people to do it. And then there's always this caution if it's something that's brand new. But that's that sort of that's technology. But the the mainstay of there being people, agents sat down. Yeah. yeah we can train them, and we can, you know, we can uh, uh, we can performance manage them if they're not doing the right things. But to extend that out to a bunch of people you've never met and 
we haven't necessarily met in the traditional sense of yep. interviewing and stuff is a hard thing. So how do you how do you get that through an organization the size of PlayStation? Yeah, it, like I said, it's a great question. And we were definitely looking at a very, very specific use case mm. um, that would have been um, very small in reality. So an example would be that um, we have parents who never play the console. Uh, they don't know how to pick up a controller, but they're very concerned about their children's experience. And right. they, they need help setting up a children's account or just questions to ease their mind. Mm. Um, and that would be one of probably a thousand different types of inquiries that we would get, that one, one agent would get. Mm. Um, and we didn't want to rush that experience. We wanted to make sure that it was different. So we started with a unique idea um, and, and getting um, different types of resources, parents talking to parents as an example. Um, and we were going to start out quite slow. Um, but at the same time, we could see potential uh, and traction gain very quickly. So rather than come up with a special use case, we actually carved out some of our core business and said, mm -hmm. let's, let's give it a go. Um, and um, like I said, it, it's been very successful. We didn't start out with everything at once, not all 1000 use cases, um, but we have been picking things that um, we've seen. Uh, again, our players respond in terms of satisfaction, in, in terms of uh, net promoter score, um, mm. very positively. And mm. so we continue to expand. Um, and I think that's what I'd probably recommend others is really look at your business in terms of um, what flexibility do you have? What gaps do you have um, so that you can look at things differently? And again, I think everybody in the um, consumer experience area with respect to service and support is thinking differently, whether it's about technology, whether it's about resourcing. Um, certainly it's a hybrid world with respect to face-to-face um, -face and virtual. Uh, so how do we take that blend um, and really meet our our players where they want to be met and by whom. And it is people like them, not necessarily, again, um, a traditional contact center. Yeah, I, I mean, there's some great stuff in there. I think the last point you mentioned is the, the you know, what encapsulates this whole thing is meeting the players where they want to be met, which is, you know, they're already engaged in some form of digital interaction, right? That's what they're doing within PlayStation. So they're already in that sort of domain. And with people like them, because yeah. that that magical thing of authenticity dials up. And in a world that's so often measured by uh, objective KPIs, to yeah. have something that you can say, you know, whilst it's subjective, but it's intuitively subjective. Like it makes a lot of sense. Like yeah. if I've got a problem with something, like these headphones. Um, not naming. <laughs> they're not Sony, are they? But, do you know what they're not? But um, <laughs> But do you know what? <laughs> but you know, every and again, you have these. So I was talking with the um, the manufacturer of these, <coughs> both, and um, <laughs> uh, and I came on, and I thought, oh, this would be fun. I'll put these on to talk to him, and um, and he was like, "Why have you got your, the the rubber has all gone around these?" And it was like, "Give me your address," and he and then within four days, I had a brand new pair turn up. So this is my brand new pair. So excellent customer service, by the way. Um, but, you know, if I had a problem with these things, genuinely, like, you know, the, the, the world of technology is becoming 
as, as more things become online and become smart, the, this this ecosystem of interoperability, you know, where things need to talk to lots of other things, and there are you're so you become so commoditized to them being there all the time, and when they don't work, it's the most infuriating thing in the world. And and yeah. I, I know, I mean, uh, so just being able to talk to someone who, yes, they can follow the, have you done this in terms of technical support, but actually here's my experience or just, I know what you're going through. I've been there and here's my situation as well. And by the, you know, and then you just say, well, I can genuinely say that we have got a proper customer to customer, you know, authentic engagement going on. And, and then you, you see the benefits and it's really positive here. So you've seen the benefits in, uh, in net promoter scores is there anything i mean can you embellish a bit more on that is there anything you can talk about in terms of those metrics and things sure sure absolutely so we we have a number of um uh, success criteria um for ourselves um for our partners um and certainly for our players we're not in the business of support we're in the mm. business of entertainment and if you need support then you're not actually using your PlayStation or getting that entertainment that right. we want you to have. Um, so we measure player engagement and that's time online. That's not time on the mm. phone or um, time with support. Um, and then for our, our partners and ourselves, we're looking at um, time for resolution. How quickly are we able to resolve somebody's questions so they can get online and play and connect with right. their friends? Um, and, and how satisfied were they? Um, and again, would they tell their friends this, if they run into any sort of barrier to using PlayStation products and services to their fullest, would, would they recommend um, using this service? So we have surveys, we have different um, data analytics, um, and we're always looking at, again, how can we enable that great experience um, on PlayStation? Got it. So um, we, we're working together at the moment and you, we know we're beyond pilot, we're rolling out, but where, where do you see things going next? And I, don't, I hope that doesn't put you on the spot. This isn't a, <laughs> trying to get a forecast. I'm just genuinely interested. Where yeah. do you see the vision for this now that you're in that sort of, this thing works, where, do, where does it go? Yeah, so we, um, we had started in uh, North America yeah. And reason being, again, is certainly I think it's it's no secret that the um, available labor pool uh, and the talent available and retention is stretched. Mm. Um, so definitely we were looking for a different business model. And as you noted, very successful with respect to gig CX in North mm. America. Uh, just this week, we launched in Europe um, and now we're we're doing multilingual. Um, same type of interactions because we found that work really well, but we're expanding um, uh, to services in other countries. Right. Um, then we'll start to look at different use cases. Right. I, again, that's that's where I, I think the not so much caution, but purposeful expansion is important. Right. Not everything is fit for gig CX, but right. more than we thought is fit for gig CX and we need right. to do that introspection. That's cool. So it, initially it was a certain use case and then you've expanded that use case now to other languages. So the same you know, principle is there. And then in the future, there is different use cases, but there'll be more specific as you go on. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so there's someone listening to the show who's heard of it. Um, 
they think there's a bit of stigma associated with the word because it's gig, it's the freelance economy, it must be zero contracts, it must be, you know, this it doesn't quite feel right. What advice would you give to somebody, maybe in your shoe at your level, in another organisation, you know, to think about this and what would they do next? Yeah, um, and I I definitely recognize what you're saying that you know there could be either skepticism or concern about gig, um, mm. and is gig ethical? Right? Is is it the right thing to do for people that are providing support to have a right. transaction based activity? Um, but in reality, it offers the same flexibility to the people that are engaging with our players as it does to us as a business. Mm. So my advice is definitely to talk to um, providers such as Limitless um, mm. and learn more about their staffing models, about the way they treat their um, their workers, their gig workers, um, or their contractors, and um, about how they measure satisfaction and engagement. Um, definitely, um, I think that's a key part of it. We are we are looking to continue um, one voice uh, mm. to our players, and and it's important that as we have a distributed workforce in many different countries, um, that they're all able to connect with our players in the same way. Mm. And if someone is is unhappy or dissatisfied or feels mistreated in any way, that that won't work. So it's always important mm -hmm. to know who you partner with, um, but you need to understand again, is this a win-win for the business, for the um, individuals providing support, as well as for the players? And certainly we found that here. Yeah, they, they, I mean, that's really interesting because the, the there's two sides to this because it's not just about, um, is this the right service model for where the where the questions are coming from because you want to do the right thing by them obviously because but also in this in scenario you've got a group of customers who are now the player they're providing exactly. the help right exactly. you've got to do the right thing by them so they've they've got to feel like they're they're being treated fairly and exactly. not being you know taken advantage of in any way yep. but then you also you know uh it, just thinking about that you potentially got here something that Yes, it's going to get, it gives a better experience to the where the when the, where the questions are coming from, and they're if they're happier than 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 they were and that stuff, then it's okay. That's a good thing. But then you've got this crowd of experts that are now providing the help, and they're so you, you're doing every time there's an interaction comes through, you've got potentially two people that are happy rather than just rather than just one. So you get the double whammy effect of positive CSAT. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah, we're building we're building promoters, but yeah, the experts are my players as well as the people they are helping are our players. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, uh, so, uh, a couple of questions and just kind of a bit more outside of this, but just you know, for for the benefits of uh, those listening, what what do you see are the big challenges in the industry right now in the, in the CX space? Um, so definitely with respect to the CX space, I think it's maintaining that personal connection or that personalization, whether it's through technology, whether it's through um, interactive um, experiences, whether it's through uh, agent-based support. How do you make sure that you're really delivering um, what 
your consumer is looking for, as opposed to following a routine that is scalable, um, but doesn't actually fit the bill on what our consumers want. Um, so I think it's that continuous and relentless research around how can we be better and um, not being stuck in just iteratively improving on what you have, but really getting out of your comfort zone and again, trying new things um, because our, our consumer base is definitely uh, eager for innovation. And just like you mentioned with your headphones, I mean, they're experts on the products or at least the yeah. experiences they want. Um, so we have to make sure that we understand and, and can not only deliver on that, but continue to innovate on that as well. Um, so it's not so easy. You can't go to the rule book from last year. You have to really recreate um, new experiences. Uh, and, and that's out of everyone's comfort zone, but that's a good thing. It's a learning zone. And mm. we've tried some things that haven't worked. Um, we've tried things that have been really successful. And it is that learn uh, and relearn and re-improve that I think every CX um, professional is looking to do. With the, I mean, this 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 this, this shows Catherine all, all through rightly because the everybody else I've asked that question to has has talked more about um, the problems with the resource model, like the the fact that the pressure being put on availability of the skills and finding them. You've just done the other way around, which is because you're all about the experience and about the entertainment and about, we wanna make sure we're delivering the best possible service. So obsess over, do the right thing to make the experience the best it can possibly be. Yep. And it was it was absolutely on that side of the fence rather than around the other side, which is where everything, you know, it just, this is why this is always an interesting question to get the perspectives of the people. We see that everything seems to be dominated at the moment around the problems in attracting the workforce and sure. keeping them. Um, but that, that's Sony entertainment all over, which is actually just mm -hmm. focus on what you can do and try new things. And I mean, it, this, um, I, I've probably bored people on this one too many times, but the, the, the paradigm of a traditional contact center is for me this an analogy to a standard petrol engine the combustion engine because it's built upon those laws of physics right <laughs> which is that they you've got it's a cost center uh you've got csat and you've got this constant seesaw where you're trying to deliver the best possible service at the lowest cost and if you yeah. dial one up too much you can put the other one down that stuff but it, that they are the rules and it doesn't matter what you do you're confined by those rules so anything that comes along, it's like a better chatbot than the previous one, or it's a better understanding of intent analysis, or it's a better way to do skills-based routing. It's all within the same laws of physics, which is you've got bums on seats, you've got occupancy, you've got costs, you've got the cost to serve, which is driven by what you sell. So everything's all about how to deal with things you don't really want to deal with. Yeah. And, you know, and then you get something, this is why, I, I, for me, I talk about the, the gig sets being the equivalent of the electric car, because it doesn't abide by those laws anymore. Yeah. You don't have to worry about bums on seats and occupancy rates yeah. and you and to take it for a test drive. And that's what you've done. And, you know, I'm a driver of an electric car and I won't ever go back. And it's one of those things, you know, it's not right for everybody, not right for, you know, all of the journeys to go to your 
when you when you said it's not right for all of the contact types but it's you know for the main main areas that, that that's the way i'd like to describe these sorts of things it is yeah. something so new forget the old because everything's still in the tweaking the engine of a combustion engine this is like the equivalent of electric car and the benefits hopefully are that the the end customer gets a better experience but what you've what you've outlined as well is that you've now got a crowd of other customers who are getting a great time out of this as well and they're going to be less likely to leave the playstation brand because now they're not just a customer they're now it's now a revenue source right they're now getting income from helping others so why would you go to another manufacturer let's say yeah. <laughs> i think it, i think it starts with asking yourselves is is being better good enough mm. right if, if i'm five percent better in all of those traditional metrics than i was last year is that really going to improve the experience for our player? Mm. Maybe not, right? So you have to think differently instead of just iteratively. Mm. Um, and it's hard because those types of metrics and um, of course there's always finances involved, but those types of metrics are there, but they can't be the priority over what your players are looking for or what experiences you can deliver, right? There has to be some blue sky where you're looking mm. at, at reimagining uh, what types of interactions would happen as opposed to, again, going back to the traditional contact center. I mean, nothing is traditional these days, right? <laughs> you, you have an electric car. That's not anything you probably would have thought of five years ago. No, right. right? So why would we use five-year-old or 10-year-old or 20-year-old mm. metrics to, to measure mm. our success for tomorrow? So um, it really is about getting back to, you know, what's your purpose? And again, our purpose is all about entertainment. It is not about occupancy in a contact center. <laughs> well, that is the most refreshing summary, I think, of how to look at things from a customer service perspective. So, well, that, that, that's been a fascinating conversation, Catherine. I think we could easily talk for hours about this subject. But I mean, we've really honed in there on, you know, what, why you've done it. It's clear it's about the passion. And I'm, I'm, and obviously I'm, I'm pumped that we're doing a great job, and and you see the value in it, and hope you come forward. And thank you, Catherine, for your time. It's been really appreciated. And uh, we'll leave you to a day. Uh, for those listening, want to know more about it? Feel free to reach out to me. Go to limitlesstech.com. Download all of the wonderful information we've got on there, and we will see you on the on the next show. Catherine, have a great day. Talk to you soon. For sure. You too. Thanks, Thanks. so much. Mm -hmm.